connected to the land with Four Rivers Equipment and John Deere. Welcome to the Four Rivers Podcast. We are your working partner, and we mean it. Okay, out of all the podcasts I've ever done, this is probably one I'm looking forward to the most. I am here with Ryan Winberg. He's the Director of Sales, um, which is a pretty impressive title for Four Rivers. And I've got to tell you before we get started, because you'll probably hear some things and go, hmm, me and Ryan are buddies. We've kind of connected on the outdoor level. We have been hunting together. Uh, we've shot elk together. We've shot turkeys together. We've had a lot of fun. We flipped, well, I flipped a boat when we were going down the river. You didn't. But uh, I'm here with Ryan, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And I'm going to embarrass you a little bit because I want to brag on you because you have personally helped me out with a bunch of stuff um, on our farm, on our ranch. You came out there and gave me a ton of advice. Um, like Fred, ah, I would do this, and you did it in a very nice, <laughs> you did it in a very nice way. Like Fred, uh, you know, it would save you a lot of money if you did this. I think you should do that. But before I bring Ryan in and let him start educating all of us on on some not only John Deere equipment but also Four Rivers and what they have to offer people, um, you come from a farming background. I think that's I think that's important to share with people. You were on a uh, John Deere test farm, uh, basically. I think is the way I understood it. Talking to you and even buddies of yours, you were getting to test John Deere equipment and then from that farming background you actually came out and have been working for Four Rivers now for a while and that's how you know we've gotten hooked up but Ryan tell me a little bit about your background I'd like people to know that you know director of sales people think sales ah does the guy know what he's talking about I can tell you you've helped me a bunch and you know what you're doing so talk a little bit about your cool background Sure. Thanks for the introduction, Fred. And to be clear, you didn't flip a boat. You flipped your little rubber ducky. I mean, that's not exactly a boat, <laughs> but okay. A, it was, I, a, it was a fly fishing raft. I have pictures, you know, and they may be posted on Twitter later today. <laughs> but uh, your rubber ducky did flip, but we saved you. It's okay. In rapids, I think class five. Yeah, they were at least four and a half, five inches apart. <laughs> yeah, maybe feet, but yeah, sure, something like that. Anyway, yeah, I, I was lucky early in my career to, to be able to work on a test farm for John Deere equipment, and we tested a lot of hay equipment uh, for the factory. Did some durability testing to see, you know, how long it lasts when, when John Deere gets a product ready to go to market. They want somebody to test to make sure is this really going to hold up in the in the real world. So we gotta we gotta beat it up and see how it's going to hold up. I'm, I'm, it's kind of my specialty. <laughs> so yeah, got to run a lot of equipment over the years, and it's been a lot of fun. But I came out here to Four Rivers about four or five years ago. And we started working at the sales department out here, just trying to grow the markets. There's so much change in the market in Colorado. It's just amazing to watch how fast this market changes. So it's become exciting to be out here. Well, and what's been fun for me because of your experience is, you know, being able to rely on not only you, but everybody from Four Rivers helping me customize equipment. You know, I bought equipment from you guys. Some of it, I just, I didn't think for sure I would need. It was like, all right, Fred, you need this for sure. <laughs> and it's helped us out. You've helped us make more money on the farm side. You have, what What did I do? <laughs> you'll get it in a minute. So, yeah, just like you said, we, we've done a lot of work together, but you'll notice on the back of every one of our shirts, it says your working partner. And we take that pretty seriously because your working partner, we want to help the farmer or the customer be more successful in whatever they're doing because that's going to make us more successful in the end. And we are more of a partnership rather than just here's some iron, go, go play with it. So if we can help you save some money by buying the right machine or a machine you maybe don't need, especially with today's admission standards that are out there, getting the right size machine for the job is absolutely key because buying too big a machine today is a real problem because you'll have more trouble down the road. So getting the right size is kind of key today. Well, having you guys come out and, you know, help me learn 
to be comfortable driving it, utilizing it. You know, I live at 7,000 feet, as you know, so you guys have had to make adjustments on some of the equipment um, that I use. Um, you scared me to death on that skid steer when you first brought it out and you whipped it off that little bitty trailer. I was like, oh, there we go. We're going we're gonna to flip it right off the edge. But I didn't realize you'd been driving that equipment since you were knee-high to a bullfrog. So once I realized that, I was like, okay, he knows what he's doing. But it's it's – I think your experience level is super important for what we're going to be talking about, which is some of the new stuff that not only John Deere has, uh, but some of the things that Four Rivers offers their customers, not only in Colorado, but in Texas and New Mexico and Wyoming. And, and really kind of you guys are connected with James River to a degree, right? On the, you know, on the east, we have a lot of guys that are, you know, out east as well that maybe listen to this podcast. And you guys have a synergy there as well, right? Yeah, that's right. The James River Equipment Group on the East Coast, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, that area, is the same uh, base ownership group as ours. And we started in 1926, and it just expanded into numerous states. Uh, they operate under a different name, but we're a common common ownership, and we work back to, back and forth together to share expertise and help customers out. But, yeah, and your elevation it brings up a, a great point. Uh, by working with the customer and making sure their equipment's right, a lot of folks make a mistake today, and a lot of folks that live at Elevation shop down below. You know, they, they shop down in the, in the lower part of the state. So when you go down there and you test drive a machine, you buy it, it works great. You take it home, it doesn't work as good. Elevation really robs horsepower. So getting the right horsepower at the right elevation, but even more key to that is a turbocharger. So a turbocharger helps make up for the elevation by forcing air into the engine. So when we get up above, like your farm's kind of right on the line, but anything above that, we almost have to mandate there's a turbocharger on the equipment, or you just won't get the performance of it you need, and then you're not satisfied with your product. So uh, a lot of brands out there and a lot of consumers out there aren't paying enough attention to that, in our opinion. We find a lot of those mistakes in, in the industry, and I'm sure we've made them as well. But we're trying to minimize those by, by visiting the farms, seeing what equipment you need, and trying to get the right equipment at the right location for the application you're using it for. So one of the things that was really interesting to me, because I haven't grown up in a farming background like you did, you know, I've been around people have done it since, since I was little, but I've only been farming for about 10 years. And to, to realize you have to match the equipment to the equipment, I guess, you know, and I thought that was great. You came out specifically because we were friends and helped me out with a lot of stuff. Like, Fred, what size plow are you pulling? What, you know, what size mm -hmm. disc do you have? What are you going to be pulling for seed drill? You know, what are you looking to do with this equipment? And there were times that you told me to downgrade. I was going to spend more money with you guys. But there were times where you went, no, this equipment's going to run better if you have this size tractor. So, you know, I like the fact, like you said, your moniker, you know, your working partner. I like the fact that you you guys actually came out, took the time, and helped walk to me, you know, walk me through and our boys through the proper use of the equipment and the right size machine. But I've been interested to, to hear you talking about the future um, of John Deere, the future of the equipment that's coming out. And let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff, because I know this is right up your alley as a farmer, you know, as somebody that comes from that background. Talk a little bit about the new stuff that's coming out. Yeah, we've got a lot of exciting news this year from John Deere. If anybody that follows or, or watches anything about Agritechnica, it's the world's largest farm show. It takes place every two years in Hanover, Germany. And this year at that show, John Deere released two or three new products that are new to the industry, not even just new to John Deere, but new, new to the world, period. Um, and the X9 combines, one of them you can see online if you, if you Google the John Deere X9. So it's going to be a, a literally a class 9, class 10, and larger combine, which doesn't mean a lot to most people, but essentially it means you take the biggest combine out there today Day, and how much corn it can harvest an hour we're going to double it what yeah we're going to double it because they believe 
labor. Did you is see so Julie? Hard. I got to tell people Julie, who's helping run our podcast. She's kind of our monitor for the podcast, and she's from a farming background too. You guys are both from Nebraska, and Julie's dad was on a co- he's on a combine every year. And Julie runs one, and she heard you say that, and I wish you could see Julie because she just went. Hmm? <laughs> well, and again, like Julie, I came from a proper state with proper football. <laughs> the University of Nebraska, where the only real football team plays, COVID and then others get invited once in a while. All the time. Oh my gosh! So how how can it do that? How can it double? Well, literally, just the size of the machine, the horsepower available. But today's technology is really what enabled that. So the technology today that can monitor the combine as it's running and say. We could get more efficiency here if we automatically sped your machine up a little bit or slowed down the header or did this. So there's hundreds and hundreds of functions taking place automatically while you're sitting in the cab. You don't even realize you're taking place. And you can monitor it. You can see what's changing, but it can automatically change all those parameters to maximize its efficiency to maximize the fuel usage. You don't want to waste fuel. You know, we're trying to keep the emissions out of these machines and make them the more as, as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the ways they're doing it. So they're going to... Uh, two separator systems within one machine, which is basically putting two combines together with one engine, one cab. Uh, and just larger horsepowers. Today's technology, we're able to get more power out of each gallon of diesel fuel. So we're able to make more horsepower and utilize horsepower better. So the, some of this technology in that machine is really amazing to watch, but a lot of it is honestly uh, artificial intelligence. A lot of it's monitoring the grain that's coming through to say that's a cracked kernel of corn. We need to quit cracking because the farmer's going to lose money when he takes the elevator. So we need to back off this to quit cracking that spot. Okay, well, that's a piece of chaff. We need to turn the fan up, blow that on out. Why haul, the, why haul that chaff up to the bin into the truck that they don't get paid for? So by utilizing it better, we can put more quality grain in the, in the bin, therefore in the truck, therefore at the elevator. So we can make them more money with less labor. Uh, I'm sure just like you run into on your farm, hiring qualified labor is getting harder and harder every year. So if we can do more with less machines, then you have less machines to ensure, you have less machines to maintain, and you have less operators to have to put in the machines. So the future of farming will be done with less people. And with the population growth the way it is, we're going to have to produce more more uh, fruit and vegetables and grains per acre everywhere, not just in the U.S. market, but everywhere. We've got to get more efficient. And John, they're seeing that down the road. They're seeing that technology coming. Uh, similar to the combine, some of the new sprayer technology with direct injection and exact apply. And there's some even cooler technology coming in the next 18 months from John Deere on that approach where it's literally see and spray. So if they see a weed, the brain of the computer saying that weed is a broadleaf and needs this chemical. And it gets the chemical out of the proper tank to squirt out the proper nozzle what? at speed to kill that weed, but not just the whole field. Why waste the whole field? Just squirt that weed. In the same time, it might be squirting five different other weeds across the boom 20, 30 feet wide. All With these different, different chemicals. Chem- different chemicals at the same time while moving and moving fast. So that technology is already out there at a slow rate. We're trying to get that sped up. So there's obviously hundreds or hundreds of thousands of hours of identifying different weeds at different growth points because a, a six-inch tall weed and a three-inch tall weed take a different amount of chemical. So not only are you using the right chemical, are you using the right amount of the right chemical out of the right nozzle at the right time because it's seeing it in front, spraying it behind as the machine passes by. So that technology coming to large-scale machines for commercial farming instead of just small vegetable size is really going to change that market. But think of the chemical savings and therefore how much better the land will be treated. Right, exactly. If you're not spraying chemicals across the whole field to kill a few weeds, you're spraying the right the right chemicals at the right time. So. And the right amount, so you're not having yeah. excess bleed into the soil or anywhere else. Yeah, because, I mean, and we're pretty prejudicial, obviously, but we believe today's farmers are the ultimate environmentalist. 
Oh, I, I would know, agree I mean, with that. They they care more about that land than anybody in the world. It's everything to them. And passing down that land properly and eating the fruit and vegetables and, and grain off of that land can't mean more to anyone in this world than the guys farming that land. So we really try to support that in any way we can. The technology is definitely headed that direction. And so with the cost, the see. cost savings of running equipment that's going to help you cut costs or save you money will allow people to keep those farms. Because as you know, there's a lot of farms that are getting sold into – Turned turned into subdivision, so it's going to be even more important, I think, in the future to make money back. You have to, you know yeah. what I mean, to be able to to keep doing what you love to do. Yeah, it's today's reality. It's just it's where we're headed. But the technology that's coming in the next ten years is going to be such a shock to most people that we're starting to try to we're starting to get people started in the technology today at a small scale. So the auto steer started in the late '90s, and so now it's pretty well adopted. Everybody's using auto steer to steer the tractor. But we have autonomous machines being tested in the U.S. already. There's golf courses being mowed with no humans involved. I mean, the, the lawnmower literally is, is mowing the golf course by itself. There's tractors with no calves running in the in the world today, testing the, the technology to see how well that's going to work. And that's going to be a real shock. You're not used to seeing that. So we're trying to get small pieces of that technology implemented so people are ready when that next step comes. And it's not such a shock to us as it gets here because it's uh, it'll be here before we know it. Are you saying I can still get hay and sit in the house and eat donuts? Well, no different than you do today. The boys do all the work, but you still get the credit for that. I mean, it's no different. Perfect. But even better than that, Fred, you can now sit in the house and watch them do it on the computer, and you can tell when they're low on fuel. And you can even take fuel out to them and say, boys, I, I knew you've been working hard. You're probably going to need some fuel, so here's some here's some fuel and, and, a, and a glass of water or something while I'm at it. So you can actually look like you care while they're doing the work. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like some of the new technology. And, and what you guys are doing for Rivers matches that because I was surprised with some of the mapping programs and some of the stuff that you guys offer in-house to help people out, whether they have five acres or whether they have – 30,000 acres. Yeah, that's exactly right. As we're sitting here talking today, we're about 30 feet from our war room. And in our war room, we have people sitting there monitoring machines all day long. And if people sign up for the proper service, we'll monitor their machine for them. And we can predict before the machine breaks. If it's starting to have a slipping clutch once in a while, it'll it'll alert us that, hey, this tractor on so-and-so's farm is starting to slip the clutch on an occurrence. You might want to get a hold of that customer and tell them there's something either going on with the operation or the load they run is too big or we have a part failing. And it'll even predict what part's going to fail or what part has failed if it's gotten to that point and then we can predict what truck is closest that has the right part on it and a lot of times we're calling a customer and saying hey you've got air filters that are way plugged i mean your, your restrictions through the roof we do have a truck coming by air it's got this filter on it do you want me to stop and drop it off or do you guys already have one and they'll get back a hold of us and let us know what we need to do or, or what we can do to help them but the the folks that have signed up for that service have really they've really been able to save some real money because you're not hurting other parts of the machine because you're taking care of this part sooner right. so it's been fun to watch um, and we'll give you a tour of that war room here later before we leave so it's kind of a neat facility yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, even in talking to some of your other guys, you know, about the technology and what they can do as far as educating guys on what to plant, when to plant it, you know, looking back over years, you know what I mean, of their farm to help them do it better and more efficiently, which, again, relates to dollars in their pockets. It is amazing that technology, when you start layering yield data or even planter data, some of the data we found is you know, yield by planter speed. You're like, what do you mean? What's the yield have to do with the speed of the planter? Well, if you have two or three planters running in the field, we can take your yield at the end of the year, overlay that over a map of your planters that are running through the field, and tell you if the planter that ran at five mile an hour running by Bob or six mile an hour by Joe, which one yielded more corn. 
because they might have been the same field. They might have been around the same day. We can literally tell where's that sweet spot for your planner. Because some planners are five, some are five and a half, some are six, some are 15. Depends on what technology you're running. So being able to help somebody do nothing different than get a gear higher or a gear lower, but it makes more yield. They grew more crop, and it costs us pennies to help them with that information but it but it made a big impact on their farm so and that's just one small example and there's hundreds and hundreds of examples like that and a lot of the farms today already do that technology and do that analysis by themselves you know they, they've come to the technology point where they're they're doing that on their own but if they're not to that point we're more than willing to help them do that and help them create more yield and, and save inputs and help educate them on how to run it and that's what yeah. that, that's what's huge to me you know is that you guys will come out and and help somebody run that so let's talk a little bit about Colorado, for example, and some of the changes going on in the state of Colorado. As Colorado changes, as technology gets higher, but as, you know, crops vary. You know, in certain not only in certain regions, but let's talk a little bit about hemp and not the, you know, hemp that gets you high, the THC stuff. Let's talk about the industrial hemp. That's what's really growing. The CBD oil that they a lot of people think is a cure-all. That's you know, I see that being used in everything from vet medicine, you know, for dogs and people and you know, all kinds of things, but also industrial hemp for clothing, uh, ropes, like, you know, they used to use it all the mm -hmm. time. I mean, there's still a lot of hemp ropes out there, building materials. Um, that part of Colorado, that hemp market is really growing. What do you guys see, or do you guys have specialized equipment for that? How are you guys handling the number of calls or the number of people that are looking into getting into industrial hemp or where legal, the other stuff? Yeah, it's really a changing piece of our economy, um, and we we jumped right in the middle of it when it first came our, came our way. And what we're learning, it's kind of like the old snake oil days. There's a lot of great products, and there's a lot of junk. But there's a lot of uh, groups working today with the with the federal government to try to get some regulation out there. Because, for instance, today you buy a, buy a bottle of cream or, or muscle lotion that's supposed to have CBD in it, it helps muscle pain. It's probably a commercial muscle cream today with a label that says CBD on the front of it. You've got to make sure you're getting it from a reputable source because there's some really good products out there, but there's a lot of snake oil out there. So they're trying to, they're trying to get some regulation in place where if you label it and say this is with CBD, it has to come with a certificate that shows the level of CBD, how many milligrams are in it, what purity uh, level what is per, it. Because they, they refine it two or three times to get it down to, I believe it's 97.4% pure, is as pure as you can get uh, CBD oil, and that's in a crystal form. I mean, it literally is all the way down to a crystal. It gets rid of all the hard metals and everything out of the ground that were in it uh, from the tar stages. So there's a lot of technology going on there. There's some great companies working on it. Some big universities are doing some really good work. We met with some folks on the East Coast at some different universities a couple weeks ago working on this project and how we can help them down that road. And now they've even come up with a way to tell with, like, the clone plants. This plant's average is 0 0.003 THC level, wherever that level is, and that directly responds to how much yield they're going to get of oil. So, you know, that's really going to change the game as those folks get more data and they get some regulation in place. So you can buy a, a, an input, a seed or a clone plant, and have some consistency in what you're growing. You know what you're going to end up with. It's not just all over the place. So that's really going to help get us to the next level. Um, so we love seeing that. We, we're supporting that technology everywhere we can. Um, we're actually bringing in some new products from around the world because there's a lot of places in the world that have been doing hemp for a while. They know what they're doing. Or it grows similar to tobacco or this kind of vegetable. depends what type of uh, hemp you're growing. So we brought in the CNM transplanters out of Italy a couple years ago. It's been a great product for us and our customers. They're really they're well adopted in the industry, but they plant the, the transplants very straight, very stripping down, very accurately, consistently. 
That's with like a vegetable down. planter. Right? Yeah, it's, like it's really like a vegetable planter. Yeah, like that. exactly. Okay. But they've, they've figured out how to put hemp plants in it and do it right for years. So we're doing a lot of those with the customers today. We've got a pretty exciting new item coming out of out of Austria this year, and I call it a trash compactor. It's just this monster <laughs> machine that compresses dry matter. So if you took, let's just say, wood chips, and you back a semi full of wood chips up to it and you dump it in the end of it, it brings them in and turns it into a round bale, like a round bale of hay that's 39 inches by 4 foot. And then it puts a little light film on it to hold it together, kicks it on the back deck, and then it spins it all sorts of different directions and shrink wraps it and completely seals it from the elements. So I could put wood chips on it here in Colorado, and this thing comes out as hard as a brick. You could knock on it like a piece of wood. I can stack them 15 high on a ship and ship them across the ocean. Or I can stack them in a shipping container and go somewhere. But it's really a logistics tool. How do you take a product from this part of the country, get it somewhere else? Because like wood chips are too, too bulky and too light to pay to haul very far. This compresses dry matter by four times. So if you have a pickup load of wood chips, I can turn that into a wheelbarrow full of wood chips in a harder package. And it's the same thing. We're adopting that over to use with hemp. So when you get done processing your hemp and you get the oil, you've got the dry matter left that can become fiber for ropes and, and, and other things. So now we can take that dry matter, shove it in this machine, turn them into way smaller packages, and then ship them off to a processor that might be on the East Coast because processing is a real bottleneck in the hemp industry. And now you can process that somewhere else effectively. Um, and there's not very many of them in the nation. And the reason I call them trash compactors is because most of your cities actually own these machines already. So if you have a, a town dump, for instance, in the old days we already had a town dump, today we have transfer stations. Well, transfer station means we're hauling in the equipment, we're dropping it off here, they're taking it, compressing it, bailing it, and then hauling it to an actual dump somewhere. So this machine is being used worldwide to compress garbage, make it smaller, make it compact, and then transfer it. So oh, be dang it. you're yeah. taking that technology and converting it over yeah. somehow into the farming industry. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, so it's a, the, the days of our technicians have really changed. We're actually sending a couple of folks to Austria to help build them on the line so they can come back and teach the rest of our technicians how to work on these machines and spread that knowledge. So the days of the old technicians working on a greasy tractor, now it's all about electronics, hydraulics, and... They're computer and programmers. They really are. I mean, it's, it's really a high-tech job today. So it's exciting, but that's also a challenge. You know, where do we find that next generation of workforce? Well, when we were talking, one of the guys, uh, you know, I, I did a podcast with one of the guys earlier, Derek, and it was really neat to hear his story because he went through the John Deere tech program that Four Rivers, you know, was a part of, and they paid for him to go to school paid for his tools even and now he's a master technician with you guys but like you say it's now a lot of that is all computer driven now so a lot of these guys are getting the the tools and the skills to work on computers and it's been exciting to watch the change in the industry a lot of the major universities are jumping on board now uh, there's been a trend of people going back to a technical education or a two-year school or more of a trade school and learn a specific job rather than a general education for your degree. And that's been fun to watch. We've supported that. Uh, we had meetings this just this week with some local universities on how we can help develop some more programs for those folks. Because, yeah, like you said, we pay for the school, we pay for the tools, and we give them a job. They don't just go to school for two years. They go to school for a few months. They come back and work a few months and get a paycheck. Then they go back to school for a few months so they can work their way through school. And then when they go back to work for us, we help them get rid of that debt and, and pay for the tools and, and get a great job right after the get-go. They don't have to worry about where they're going to work. 
We're going to lock them in. We're going to get them a good education. They carry good grades. We're going to take care of them. And that we're trying to expand that. But that's been fun to watch because now that there's technology involved, a lot of major schools are jumping in and saying, how can we get involved? How can we start a program for that? We're not the diesel engine specialist, but boy, we know technology. Can we have a three-month stint of that education or six months um, and share credits where that may be? So it's kind of fun to watch where that's going and, and where we're headed. Because as you say, in a couple of years when there's not as many cabs on these machines, but there's a lot more computers, we're going to have to have somebody with the ability to work on them. And to train guys how to use them in the field. And that, that technology applies to even purchasing, right? I mean, aren't you guys have a program guys are buying online? I mean, explain that to me. Yeah, it's amazing to watch. But I'm sure just like you, if you're sitting at home one night and you ran out of something you, you needed and you don't have time to drive to town to get it. I mean, it's an hour to go to a decent-sized town for, from your place so rather than go to town i'm sure michelle or somebody just jumps on the internet and says yep. we get this amazon or whoever that may be we'll just drop it off next week it's just simple we do that all the time we all do well i find myself buying that way today so i bought my last pickup off of the internet i didn't want to deal with 25 different salesmen and i'm in sales <laughs> I, you know i don't have the time right. we're all busy today demands on today's life is just different so i went online i shopped when i got to the dealership to actually see one I knew the machine better than the sales rep did because I'd studied all the options. I knew where that button was. And with today's computers, you can zoom in and look at everything on it anyway. So it sped up my buying process, my timeline. It sped that so far up that we've now worked with our marketing team to develop some buying online tools. And we have dedicated salesmen that do nothing but internet sales. No kidding. That's how does, all uh, they do. How does a guy look into that? Where do you go? So, yeah, I mean, you buy online with like any manufacturer. You just go to their website and, and start clicking through what you want, more information on this machine or this. When you get to the right spot, then that emails somebody, that your, your phone number, whatever that may be. You get a hold of those folks, and you can talk to them, and they can sell you that machine. You've never even met them. Or they can line up a demo for you to come see that machine in person. They can take it to your farm and do it. But the next realm of that, have you seen like the Carvanas of the world? You yes, literally have Carvani machines? Yeah. We're inches away from having that in the tractor world. I mean, it's crazy how far that's come. But who would have thought of that? A car vending machine? Right. I mean, that's crazy thought. <laughs> now it's reality. It's like buying a Tesla. They don't have normal dealerships. You go in and pick out the model you want on a computer, and they bring it to you. They don't have normal shops. That The world's just changed with electrification and, and everything that's coming. So we're jumping right in the middle of that. If we can help speed up the buying experience so you don't have to waste a day to do something that you have your mind made up on, why wouldn't we save that person that day? Well, and like you said, it's, it's, it's all about time, right? I mean, yeah. you know, time today, there's more constraints in people's time. Um, we both have kids. We keep them running around, or they keep us running around. And it's a matter of what you want to spend your time on. You may need something, but that's really neat that you guys are keeping up with technology on that. Yeah, we're trying. I don't know if we're keeping up or if we're ahead or if we're behind, but we're trying hard to keep up. <laughs> if, not, if not, get ahead and try to lead in a few of those ways. So, so yeah. I, wanna, I want you to throw out something for somebody that may be listening to this that's looking for a career. Because we talk about some of the neat opportunities at Four Rivers. You know, you guys have, you know, stores all over the West. Um, there's also James out East. But talk a little bit about where, do, where does somebody go? They're interested in a job with Four Rivers or maybe getting themselves, maybe there's a parent listening and they've got a son or a daughter that, you know, has affinity for working on things. Maybe they want to learn about computers and work on tractors or work on equipment. Where do they go? Yeah, and we've got a career center part of our website that you can go to and look at where the careers or opportunities are out there. And then that'll get you in touch with somebody in our team and you can apply for jobs that are open or you can apply for a job not already posted. 
and then you can try to get involved with that group. We also go to all the career fairs we can get to, most of the universities in our area or trade schools, to try to get them involved. But we've got some internships, so you can join our, our product support team, and you'll spend six or eight weeks helping do parts between stocking shelves, ordering machines, um, helping customers, whatever that may be. And then you could also jump out to the next piece and go spend six weeks in the service department, learn how to write the work orders, do the machines, work on the technology pieces or the hard iron chunks of the machine. And then you can, and then you'll transfer into the sales arena where you'll spend a few weeks helping, helping a salesman sell machines or evaluate trade-ins or doing product development, product testing, uh, product demonstrations, and then find out what fits you. If that fits the mold for what you're thinking, we'll find the role that we felt you were the best the best adapted for. And then we'll start somebody else in that role. So we, we usually have somebody, one or two people in that role at all times. Um, we're always looking for that next, that next great applicant. So technicians, most of our stores are growing. We're adding people all the time. As machine populations grow out there in the market, machines are lasting longer with the technology than they used to. So we're trying to get more people available to, to go work on them quicker. Nothing uh, runs like a deer. Well, right. nothing runs like a deer. <laughs> Especially if it's about dusk and they're coming alongside the road next to you. There you go. <laughs> I love it. You know, Ryan, and we started this off by talking about some of your history, you know, growing up the farming, you know, not only working and helping John Deere test equipment and things like that, but also your Four Rivers experience. One thing I ask everybody is their first John Deere experience. You grew up farming, you grew up in that industry, and you're still in it. But do you remember the very first I don't care what it was. Tractor, I don't care if it, whatever it was. Do you remember your very first John Deere experience? I am I remember it very vividly. It's pretty it's very personal for me. Uh, my first John Deere experience in my memory, I was very young. I can't imagine how old. I was tall enough to stand. I could put on coveralls on my own. I know that. <laughs> and, and and like you, I was at my grandfather's for hunting. We were up there deer hunting. We always went to granddad's to hunt deer. And he had to go out and feed the cows. So, okay, the, the adults went hunting. I was a little guy. Grandpa took me with him. I was kind of his right-hand man. And I got a ride, which today you can't do. I was standing on the axle of the tractor as he's going, which clearly we don't do <laughs> it anymore. It was a different day. <laughs> different day. And this was a John Deere A pulling a hay sled behind it. And we're out there feeding the cows. I'm riding with him. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I can picture today where it was. In fact, I can drive to that ranch it was at and to the field we were on today. You just don't forget that first experience. And then you get back on the hay sled and you feed the cows and the cows and calves all come up and you get to feed them. So you get to see the wildlife. You get to see the mother nature. And the river's flowing by and you get to see that. Well, years later... I had John Deere decorated things at my wedding, at my, at my reception, which my wife is still not real thrilled about. There were some <laughs> decorations at our wedding. We did through a little tractor even. Um, and my grandfather that gave me that first experience was the best man in that wedding. No kidding. You'd never forget that experience or who you were with or where it was if it, if it was meaningful to you. And I guess I was just destined to go down the Deere path. I had no idea I'd ever worked for John Deere or in the John Deere arena. But we later, late, years later, um, my grandfather left the farm. When he moved to town, we had that tractor on the farm. That was one of the first tractors I used. Worked in the arena. My dad did rodeo, and I'd work the arena with that same old John Deere tractor. I tore a gator two down with that same tractor as I wasn't quite <laughs> controlling the hand clutch like I should. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. My first experience was definitely feeding the cows with my grandfather when I was young. See, that's so neat. And I hope my kids all have an experience like that because they've been raised up, you know what I mean, with, yeah. with that equipment and the same experience with the cows and even the farming. And I appreciate not only you personally helping them out and helping us out and choosing the right equipment, but also for helping my kids grow up that way too. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, thanks for sitting down with me, Ryan. I hope you guys got something out of this uh, podcast. And if you have any questions about equipment, give us a call. Four Rivers. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan.